Before we start today's podcast, I just wanted to tell you all about our sponsors for the 2024 season. Our agency are a full-service digital agency specialising in branding, digital marketing and bespoke systems to streamline your business. They offer upfront, no-nonsense advice to help you achieve your goals. They are proud to be supporting the Wakefield Trinity Community Foundation as well as the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast this year. Drop them a line and make our agency your agency. Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you're listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 125 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. Tonight we bring to you a slightly delayed episode of Trinity Backchat, conversing briefly about our record-breaking 110 victory against a valiant Newcastle Thunder this past weekend in the 1895 Cup. I'm joined as always by my co-host Lee Robinson. Today we're not actually on our way home from the game in the car. We're just relaxing at each other's homes, just podcasting as normal as we'll take a short dive into the proceedings down at Featherston this past Sunday afternoon. Dad, how are you doing? I bet you're quite jubilant and, you know, all these record-breaking stats and t- statistics that you've had to do this past week. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? You know, in the sort of season, we've scored we've scored more tries in three games than we did in 16 last season so far. Yes, we understand the opposition is slightly different, but when you've been a Trinity fan getting belted over so many years... It doesn't matter who you play, but we've had, we've, you know, this season's tally, we've scored 122, 220 points, conceded 10. So uh, everything's good. I think that's the thing. I've seen it. I mean, not not loads. I don't have Facebook and I don't have a lot of social media. I, I mostly work off Twitter. There's been a few people on Twitter who said that Wakefield fans are taking the mick a bit or Wakefield should calm down. But Trinity in general are just playing what's in front of them. We can't help about where we the position we're in and the teams we're facing. I think Daryl Powell said he's, he's obviously just trying to respect the competition as much as possible. And, you know, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but we, there were a point where we even played with 12 men on, on Sunday, weren't there, against Newcastle, just because we didn't really need 13 men on the field. So it, it's nice. It's nice that we can be a bit buoyant. And obviously the, the games will start getting harder soon. But, you know, you, you, you were sat at the game with your phone out, writing down all these records on Sunday. So quite fun for you. Yeah, it was just, yeah, we, obviously you don't get many records, do you? So, again, you can only play who's in front of you. It doesn't matter whether it's Wigan, St. Helens or Hull or Siddle, Newcastle or, or York. You know, the, all the records count at the end of the day. So the fact that, you know, we sort of half knew it was going to be uh, a big score against Newcastle. I never thought I'd see a score of 100 points in my lifetime. But it's getting nearer that now. There's a lot of teams doing it, isn't there? So it's, uh, you know, when the, when the tries kept going in and after half time when we'd, I think we'd scored... 12 already in the first half. I started writing them all down, so uh, I wouldn't forget. And, you know, like we say, it was a valiant Newcastle Thunder side. It's, it's a different Newcastle Thunder side, really, compared to what they've had in their in their past history, even under the Gateshead banner. Um, you know, I, I heard actually a, a people at the game calling it men against boys, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to disrespect them because they're all grown adult men. Obviously, they're all... All trying the hardest, but it was it, it was very clearly professionals against amateurs, um, or even potentially students at some point as well. I'm not sure the the kind of differentiation between who were actually students at Northumbria Union and who were um, players coming through the system. And, and obviously, we're not sure on the rage and stuff. But they all look like grown men. They they I know it sounds daft saying it, but the, 110 nil. And I actually tweeted this out, Dad. But they actually did put in quite a, a heartfelt, determined display, didn't they? Really, I felt. 
They did when the, when the teams came out for a warm up. I, I was half worried. You know, there's this duty of care where you've got to you've got to think about certain things in in the rugby league world now. Well, I was looking at the Newcastle lads warming up and looking at the Trinity lads warming up, and it was quite oh my goodness. I hope these lads are all right. You know, there were some of them in different coloured socks, and a couple looks as though they could have gone out and played Sunday morning pub rugby. But give them the jewel. There were there were a couple of lads that kept my eye on, thinking these lads aren't going to keep going. But they did, and there was one one had a, a good kicking game, and he was uh, chipping over the top a, a lot, um, you know, and some of our big forwards like your Tonys and um, your Uellies, um, they kept knocking him down. You know, we didn't. Well, yes, we did break him down in the middle, but the number of times that the first three and four tackles, we did make yards, but they knocked us down for three or four tackles. Then a lot of our tries came in just a slip pass here, a, a kick there, and a, or a ball out to the wing. That's where a lot of our tries came from. But yeah, they certainly did. They got stuck into us. And near the end, when it were under nod nil, even the Wakefield fans were urging them to uh, to score. But it's nice keeping a clean sheet as well. I think that's the thing. Obviously, the fundamental basics of rugby league are, are the same wherever you play it, but it's it's the things like fitness, reaction times, decision-making, speed, ability. That's obviously going to separate you. And, and in, the, in the first set of the game, we scored. Obviously, Max Jowett kind of made the break and, uh, and Mason Lino went in. I'll read out the teams and the try scores and stuff in a, in a second. Obviously, I'll read out the, the Newcastle Thunder team because a few... A few boys did did actually stand out for me, and I felt like they could probably play at a better standard. Um, but their back line was Joe Bradley, Leo Bradley, Matthew Handy, um, Tom Siddle, Luke Jeremy, Tyler Heppel, Toby Mallinson, Harry Lowry, Will Bates, Aaron Harlow-Stevenson, Paddy Burns, Dan White and Nathan Newbound. And then their subs were Tobias Gibson, Jack Skelton, Ollie Bibby and Lloyd Hall. Um, now for me, I know you said similar, 7, 9 and 17 really stood out for me. Um, and that was the seven was the kicker with the, with the beard, Toby Mallinson. Nine was the big bald hooker with it with the big beard, Will Bates. And then 17 came off the bench quite late, actually. I don't know why he didn't play longer. And he put a, a few big shots on in Jack Shelton. And Nathan Newbound, who, who actually played academy and scholarship rugby league for Wakefield Trinity before going off to sale, Sharks rugby union, and then studying up at Northumbria. So they're obviously, like I said, they all, they all put in a good stint, but those were the, the guys that stood out for us, weren't they? Yeah, the hooker was very Paul McShane esque when he started. He obviously they looked like a lot of lot of young kids uh, in the team, but uh, the hooker I might be, I might be proved wrong. He might have been a teenager as well, but the hooker stood out as uh, just being a bit older than the rest and 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 played a bit like Paul McShane. He was quick from acting half back, little bit of a mongrel in him. He, he liked to have a little bit of a dig, but yeah, he stood out. And then Trinity side, Max Jowett, Lachlan Walmsley, Jack Croft, Oliver Pratt, Romain Franco, Miles Lawford, Mason Lino, Josh Bowden, Liam Hood, Renner Fatone, Toby Boothroyd, um, Jay Pitts, Matthew Cosser, and then off the bench, Harvey Smith, Caleb Ulay, Matty Ashurst, and Noah Booth. Um, a few few kind of anomalies there. Noah Booth made his debut, and Matty Ashurst didn't actually play at all. He was on the bench, but he didn't come on for a single millisecond, so um, he won't make it into the stats and the record books for that one. So we did actually play... With 16 men, and at one point, I think it was Renu Fatoni came off with about 10 minutes to go, and nobody came back on. So we did actually play the last kind of 10, 15 minutes with with 12 men on the field as well. I mean, every, everyone had a good game. Everyone stood out for you, um, for everybody, Dad. But you know, anyone that you you you, you were watching and thought, God, he's having a good game today. He's doing something different. I kept my eye on uh, Miles Lawford uh, just to see because it was his debut. Uh, but it was very difficult for a half-back just to say, he did play well, he did all right. But the ball was that, you know, the forwards were making so many breaks down the middle. Sometimes it wasn't um, 
Lawford never got his hands on the ball as much as he as, as he should have done. Obviously, Franco got four tries. I'm willing um, Lachlan Wormsley to uh, pick up. He's got uh, he's got four tries in three games, so he's doing all right. Um, and I, I just you think he would go 110 nil, and he only he only fell over the line once. So I was keeping an eye on him. Um, but the forwards, you know, uh, um, Josh Bowden, um, Renifer Tony, um, Pitsy. Pitts is uh, quite awesome at the moment. He's uh, he's 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 not he's not letting us down. He could be man of the match every uh, every week. But having said that, Noah Booth, you know, we've never seen him before. Um, he had something. He had he had a nice style. Um, he, he took he took the ball up to the line and he drifted through two men. He, he scored the he scored in the first half. I reckon he could have scored in the second if he'd have had confidence and done it. But we made a break. He was one on one with the uh, with the full back and he passed and he went to ground. Where I reckon if he'd have done it, he'd have scored. So yeah, um, you couldn't really knock anybody. Really, it was one of those uh, easy games, easy-ish games where everybody everybody stood out. And we actually had two or three opportunities in the second half where we could have scored again, but we knocked on, or or we you know we 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 give a forward pass. Remember, Crofty did something similar on the far side, and like you said, Noah Booth did something. So we could we could have probably got hundred and twenty odd. But um, looking at the stats, obviously, well the try scorers: Ramon Franco got four, Lino got three, Hits Boothroyd and Coza got two. And Wormsley, Booth, Pratt, Harvey Smith, Rennie Atone and Jack Croft all got one as well. In terms of assists, Jowett was only on the field for about 15 minutes and he got three assists and four goals, which I thought was incredibly impressive. Uele um, got two assists, Pitt got, Pitts got two assists, Wormsley got two assists, Lino got two assists, um, Harvey Smith got an assist... Lawford got two assists and uh, and Borden got an assist as well. And there was a couple more mixed in there that obviously we won't go through every single one. Um, and looking at the stats, Dad, obviously, Javi got four goals, four out of five whilst we were on the field, and Lino got 13 out of 14, which, um, you know, we'll, we'll go about the record breaking stats in a second. But Mason Lino has equaled the, the goals kicked in a match by an individual player for Trinity with 13, which is also equaled with Jamie Rooney against Charlie in 2006. So, you know, you, again, you were kind of looking at number of goal kicks there. And if he'd have been kicking all game, he'd have broken that easily. Yeah, we just, I lost track in the end because um, I knew Max had kicked four out of five and then Lino only missed one. So I was trying to work out how many tries were scored. I knew he'd missed a goal and I was trying to work out when he was going to break the record. So the record, like you say, was well, well from a point as well. The record, the record points in the game was thirty six. Mark Conway held that from nineteen ninety two. So I was keeping an eye on all his goals going over, and he eventually got to thirty eight. So yeah, it was uh, difficult to keep an eye on uh, on the goal. So there were nineteen tries and seventeen goals. And like you say, if uh, if uh, if um, Lino had been kicking from the beginning, he would have um, so reached an amount uh, unsurmountable uh, total. I think. Have we ever scored more than 19 tries? Is that a record as well? That's a record as well. We've got 18 once against Batley back in 1967. And we've scored 17 twice against a couple of amateurs in the in the 50s. But yeah, we've never scored 19. So that's another record broke. Like you said there, Mason Lean has officially brought the record for the individual points scored in a competitive game of rugby league first grade for, for Wakefield Trinity with 38 points, beating Jamie Rooney, who got 36 points against Charlie in 2006 as well, that same game. Um, and then Trinity broke their record for club points scored in a competitive first grade game with 110 nil, beating the previous 90 points to nil against Highfield on the 27th of October 1992, which is a special day because it's the day before I was born. So I know you you were just saying obviously you've always wanted to see that record get broken because even though you were at that game, you weren't really paying attention because apparently I was obviously I was due around that time. 
Yeah, I was physio at the time, and I, I, I can't remember which way around it was, but I either left at half-time or I arrived at half-time, and a pal of mine did the physio work because uh, we, I think you were, we knew you were coming the next day. So I, I just had to go down to have a look and see what was going on, but then I had to go away and do uh, daddy daddy duties. <laughs> and then kind of looking, you know, we, we made a joke, obviously, the... Um... The referee Aaron Aaron Belafonte, which is a fantastic name, um, gave six penalties to Trinity and only one to Newcastle. Even even towards the back end of the game, even the Trinity fans were saying it, it's a bit pathetic giving Trinity penalties because we didn't really need any help getting up the pitch. But he had a good game. That everyone had a good game. The one thousand three hundred seventy eight fans there at, at, at Post Office Road in Featherstone as well. Um, so I think everyone had a good day out. There were a lot of Newcastle fans there, which was great to see. Um, the the response from the Trinity fans was fantastic. That you know they were they were actually willing Newcastle to score at the end, and were you know were giving them a big round of applause throughout the entire game and even before and after the game as well. So I think again you just you and you and your partner and me had, had a good day out, didn't we? Really, it was just nice. It was a nice sunny afternoon in in Featherston. Just a laid back day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was nice to see that Newcastle brought a busload down. Uh, they were selling their their uh, stuff outside. A lot of Trinity fans actually walked away with some Newcastle Thunder uh, gear, as in tops and hoodies and hats. But yeah, it was uh, it was a very laid back day. It was it was good good to see. It was probably from the neutral point of view, one hundred and ten nil isn't great, and a lot of it was like a training run at some times. But uh, we've taken some thumpings in the past. I was at Warrington many years ago when we lost eighty nil. And I was physio once when we lost to uh, Wigan 72-6. So we've taken some thumpings in our day. So to see us thump somebody else, don't matter who they are, it was uh, okay. And I've actually lost the tweet now, but I did, uh, there was a tweet going round of, of a Newcastle Thunder player who tweeted out about um, how obviously disappointing it was for the actual game in terms of the result, but how it's a dream come true for, for a lot of these boys because the, the youth products have come through um, Newcastle system and, and to play a professional side like like Trinity against you know against players like Jay Pitts and Renu Fatoni and Max Jowett etc who are well established professionals so I think it's a dream come true for them so it's it's nice to see that they can still think positively like that um, and kind of put that message out and obviously they're still turning up every week and hopefully they can make a go of it somehow in in, in that league as well. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I think if there's if there's just one, uh, I won't say negative, negative, negative. Well, the positive is we didn't pick any injuries up. That's good. But we also went into the game with a few few missing. I counted, we had eight missing injured. Um, nothing to say. Obviously, we've got we know we've got Liam K out with with his um, ankle injury where he's had operation. Jermaine McGilvery's out now with his triceps where he's going to have some surgery. So they're long term. Isaac Shaw's out. I think he's got a groin strain. He's had surgery as well. Um, then we obviously Isaiah um, Banganar, Tommy Doyle, Josh Griffin. They had little niggles at Siddle, so I reckon they could have played if it was a big, big game. So they they were rested. Luke Gale was rested, uh, and obviously Ian Thornley tweaked something in the in the warm up. So we had eight missing through some sort of injury, which tested our squad. And we we didn't have many other squad members not playing. When you when you go through the squad, obviously Luke Gale was rested. Joe Law didn't play, but I understand Joe's busy with his physiotherapy uh, physiotherapy work. They were the only ones who weren't actually in the squad. Um, rest were injured, but uh, I reckon once the squad comes out, four of those, will, four or five of those, will be coming back. Exciting, good stuff. And just before we do round off, just a special shout out to to fans of the podcast, Jackie and Martha. I know you listen to every single podcast we do and try to uh, try to absorb as much information as you can. We finally met you at the weekend at Featherstone. You managed to collar us both for a quick chat, and obviously, I know 
Jackie is very eager to come on the podcast again in the future. I'm sure she'll uh, she'll make an appearance on one of the fans' forums coming soon. So thank you for every all of your support, everyone as well. We'll be back this coming weekend. Um, obviously we're we're at home to Hunslet ARLFC in the Challenge Cup, and we'll be doing another another back chat from that at Bellevue after the game as well. We might even see if there's anyone else around we can have a chat with, you know, an ex-professional or even maybe one of the the current players as well. So we'll get that to you on Monday night. We're back with the Trailblazers next Thursday night as well, and then we're back with the fans forum on the following Monday before um before we we, we get back to the interviews as well. We're trying to space them out a bit more this year. So thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 125 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. You can find us on podcasting platforms worldwide and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. If you are missing the interviews, you can obviously listen back to the couple of ones we've, we've released so far. Daryl Powell, Henry Paul, and Gary Hetherington have been our past couple of weeks as well. Massive thank you to my co-host, as ever, Lee Robinson. We will be back next week. And I've been Jamie Robinson, and we will catch you all down the road. Mm-hmm.